This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. We apologize for the hour delay. It's my fault. It's it's not your fault. No, it is. I spilled horchata all over Stream Deck and all of our gear. Did that actually happen? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what actually happened was we had a meeting for Salt for Y today that I had mm-hmm. forgotten during yesterday's show yeah. to alert you guys that we were going to be an hour late. The today. meeting was uh, to wear beige shirts and obviously... Landon right. didn't get the memo. Yeah. Are you at I'm the a, meeting? I'm a Spraggy fan. Big Spraggy fan. Shocker. Landon missed the, uh, the meeting. Mm-hmm. I was in the meeting. He was in the meeting. He was. I was didn't here by default. One goddamn word. <laughs> Literally not one word. He never does. Why are you wearing the blanket? It's cold. I'm cold. A little cold. A little Why chilly? else do you wear blankets? Well, I mean, usually it's to cover up those stems. No, mm. I do have the shorts on today, but it's not, it's not because of the shorts. It's because I'm cold. Okay. That lo- that's a okay. nice blanket, I can tell. I know. It, it's comfy. Very, it, it is, does it's look very comfy. Very mm-hmm. soft. I'm, I'm very happy with my decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. You blend very well into the chair. Yeah. The, the, the blanket. The, yeah, you look great, man. Thank Don't you. Don't ever change. Yeah. Don't ever change. I can even put these glasses on, too. It gets even better. Is this, uh, are you here with us tomorrow? Bang. Uh, wow uh i am okay good wait good. yeah this look good on you kid the uh <clears throat> the 11th to the 16th is the poku go kickoff yeah dates don't really mean a lot to me i'm not gonna lie oh yeah you're just gonna skip the academy that's fine <laughs> i can figure it out when <laughs> no that's fine you don't you don't have to come uh can i just you know retract my piece of the company yeah it seems fair yeah, what it is it fair. you say you do here I don't really say I do anything here. He doesn't know that movie. <laughs> do you know that movie? Uh, I never saw Office Space. No, you never saw. Oh, oh my, my god! god. Just run it. Just let's just watch it. Let's just do a watch party. I yeah. had this uh, <laughs> conversation a few days ago about movies that I have or have not seen from like white like year two K. Yeah, like mm-hmm. all like the two K like high school movies. Yeah, like I missed I mean, all of those. For what it's worth, it's like people in their sixties like saying like all these seventies movies. You didn't see this movie. I mean, you didn't see the Sopranos, <laughs> but most of us saw those movies. That's, we saw the Godfather. We saw, I saw the Godfather. We saw the Godfather, yeah, but it's not like we saw every movie from the seventies. But then again, for the Godfather, I had to see it on my own time. Mm-hmm. You know, like for your, when you're like, you were growing up, your friends or friends, parents are like, Oh, you guys got to watch this movie. And then everyone just does. Mm-hmm. And I, now you have to do it. You have to I, do your own individual yeah. research. I saw this thing on Instagram where it was like, um, Dazed and Confused came out in, do you ever see Dazed and Confused? No. Oh man. I've heard of the came, movie. Came out in 1993. And it, the setting is uh, 1976 or something. They're saying if that movie came out today, the setting would be 2007. <laughs> it's just. That's kind of wild to think about. Makes me feel old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you are. You hate to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you hate to see are, it. You guys All are right. oldening. We're not oldening. But oldening means you're <laughs> wiser. Yeah, like if Back to the Future came out today, Marty would travel back to 1994. Okay. <laughs> I mean, 94 is actually starting to seem like a reasonable A little, a little bit of time, a little bit of time yeah, away. Some, some time has time. passed. Yeah. How old were you in 1994? I was 
12. Yeah, 13. Yeah, that was a good year. Oh, man, 94. What a year. Is that the year that uh, All-Star? <laughs> that uh, I did make the All-Stars that year. Mm -hmm. uh, and Brian, Brian, didn't. Brian did not. Yeah, that was the that, year. That was the year of the t-shirt. I'll bring that t-shirt in. Uh, <laughs> well, what a good year. I dated Renee George for like a week of that One summer. Week. Oh, man. Berkey's stock was high. Best week of your life. <laughs> 94 was my life. year as well. Yeah. See? Yeah. We big, peaked. Very big yep. first. First year yeah. of college, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Nice one. That's your first boob? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. It's funny that we like harp on Guapo when he probably looks like the youngest out of all of us. Yeah. Besides Landon. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I got broken up with. I, I dated Renee for a week. She was the hottest girl in school. That's the girl you blamed the fart on. Yes, indeed it was. Mm -hmm. Good callbacks, yeah. Landon. That was years later, but yes. Uh, you, you did it out of spite. It was not out of spite. It was, it was sheerly out of no one on earth would be more embarrassed than Renee. Mm -hmm. And it was just a crime of opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. yeah, right. A crime of opportunity. Yeah. I, I mean, I, find, I personally find a lot of humor in, <laughs> in like that sort of embarrassment. I mean, this is like almost like schadenfreude. We're like, you're finding like pleasure in her, like disappointment. No, no, no. It's not, ple it's just, I think there's something incredibly funny about people that are like over the top embarrassed about things that aren't that embarrassing. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the cringe factor. Wait a minute. You should love this. You love Eric Andre. Wait a minute. Was, the, was this the same person where you talked about like, if someone is this person's friend? I don't know what that means. You're like, if anybody is your friend, uh, like raise your hand. Oh no, no. I did that with Lamanna. Mm -hmm. Oh my it wasn't, god! It wasn't. You did it to Brian. No, that wasn't the story at all. It was. <laughs> poor Levanta. How are you gonna do this, Dan? <sighs> so we have an in the muck, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be more embarrassed about my in the muck. Let's go. Roll the clip. Roll it. That's a good lead. <laughs> yes. Roll it. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so we're here. We are we're in the muck. <laughs> I need this story. <laughs> What's the premise here? Uh, did you fart and then oh say that no. she did it? No. Yes, yeah. yes, that's what I did in honors English in ninth grade. It was all ninth grade. I thought I was a fucking comedian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were uh, fucking <laughs> funny. We, <laughs> <laughs> we had a study hall mm -hmm. one day, and and Brian and I were at odds. We didn't care for one another at this point, and we had a substitute <laughs> teacher for <laughs> civics class, and I passed a note around that said, uh, <laughs> it said something like, if you, if you, if you hate LaManna or if LaManna stinks or something like that, get up and sharpen your pencil. And oh, one by one, that's fucked up. the whole room got up and sharpened their pencil and the teacher's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I get up and sharpen my pencil because I, my pencil needed sharpened. <laughs> so so you hate and the whole class just like goes Erupted. nuts, yeah. right? Obviously. The note, the note and obviously I start, I, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know why everyone's chatting. He was like taking a bow. Yeah, it was, like, was well, incredible. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was remarkable. We have um, a master at work. And that's why I almost punched Berkey in the face. <laughs> I deserved it. I'm sorry. <laughs> like the fact that you can slap Conrad, but he should get one on you. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's true. You should retroactively own It's the gift that keeps on giving. Honestly though, like, it really was something out of like a high school movie because obviously the note skips him, but he just sees what's happening where everybody's doing it. And it's like, well, I don't want to be left out. So the natural reaction is like, you get up and sharpen your pencil and then just gets a standing O. He doesn't know. He thinks he's just the funniest fucking kid on earth at this point. In like mm -hmm. the, in like the two thousands, like this movie came out, it's called, she's all that. Yeah. yeah great movie. 
So you've seen it. Yeah, of course. Like, and that's like the classic like high school movie and like uh, she yeah. and like Taylor Vaughn like have that standoff at like the, the rich kid's house. Yeah. And she's yeah, like, yeah. you don't mean anything to these people. And she's like, I swear I'd never let them see me cry. Man, you know, it's funny. I, I would never, I've never like in that moment thought of me being the Taylor Vaughn in this scenario and yeah. Lamanna being the, <laughs> but yeah, that's. That's how it is. kind of nailed it, man. That was you, man. <laughs> Self-reflection. Self-reflection. You say sorry. Let's uh, well, let's re- let's reflect on this hand. Um, <laughs> we all had our moments, you know. <laughs> so probably this, I, I, I was in a fit of, a fit of rage at this table, probably stemming back to my uh, adolescence. <laughs> Just remembering <laughs> that moment in study. I'm, like, I'm going to get this fucking guy. Uh, yeah. So um, you know, we're at the jewel. We're playing two three. And uh, we're doing good. We're up like, you know, three, four hundred bucks, feeling good, you know, playing a lot of hands. <laughs> Mid position decides to open. I got two nines in the cutoff. I mean, I'm three betting. We wow. like that. So, we yeah. Okay. So we go to 25. You know, that, that's my standard I three like bet. The size, there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, you know, three X, three, three and a half X open is basically the minimum you're going to see. Or, I mean, the, the, that's the smallest size you're going to see open. So I think two and a half is really good. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, calls. Uh, we get the Ace Six Five Rainbow Board uh, available for our range, um, and I think this is just a range bet. So he checks, and I go twenty. Uh, I go fifteen. Ah, yeah, we go fifteen. So just slightly over quarter. Um, he calls. Turn is a four. Completing, you know, seven, eight. I don't know. I mean, he, I, I guess he probably has all the combos of seven, eight suited. I, I would assume. Yeah, he should. Yeah, he should. Um, at this point, I decide to go half. I think, like, I guess, you know, in my mind, I was going to go half because, uh, you know, some draws completed and I don't want to go too big. And uh, so thinking that i if he does call again he's very capped to like you know maybe like ace queen like is like he's capped to ace queen right and and that i can maybe blow him off of better hands and um maybe like weaker aces uh with an overbet so he calls river pairs board six which i think is a good hand for me and uh our good car for me and he checks and we go for the overbet of 200 i like it i like it and he goes into the tank and he's talking to me i like and it he's you know i'm not doing anything i'm just sitting there and he says something like ah oh, gives me the whole like i won't respect myself in the morning if i don't call oh no and then calls mm. with queens okay Dude, I like nice hand sir I like it. Really? Landon's Tell giving me these more. eyes, but I, I, I like it. That's yeah. all he's got for us. Why he do you likes like it. Because I, I don't think he ever has ace king. If he has, like, Very if he has, I guess, ace jack, I would think that he's going to fold sometimes. I think mm-hmm. ace queen is like maybe cry calling like half the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean just, it just looks super strong. People don't make these big calls. <laughs> they, they just often don't make big calls on the river with like. One pair of hands, marginal hands. So, like, I think, like, weaker aces. Like, ace-queen, I think, calls. But I think, like, ace-jack starts to fold. Ace-ten starts to fold. Like, but, I mean, he called with queen, so 
Maybe I'm dead wrong here. Maybe it was just a one-off. I'm not really sure. But I don't think Berkey likes my turn play. I don't even think flop is a range bet. It's not? What's the... Hold on a second. What is the board here? Uh, it's 865 eight, rainbow. Five rainbow. Like Why the, would this not be... Just because they have ace fives, ace sixes, and sixes and fives? Well, it's because most of our three bets are going, also not going to contain an ace. Like, we're going to have, call it low-frequency pocket sevens, pocket eights, pocket nines, tens, jacks, queens, kings... And then, like a response versus uh, a small bet, can like pretty be pretty dangerous, especially two hundred deep, where they can like we don't have fives and sixes very very often ever. Right. I don't think, yeah. Right. So like our best hand is aces. Sure, we have ace five suited sometimes if you're if you're based. Um, I'm based. If you're but based. like facing check raise barrel is going to put a lot of hands that we want to play a two street game with in a tough spot. Like you have kings here and you just like auto stab. I'm not sure that we just get the auto stab on these spots. I think that people auto stab yeah, by default because that, they see the ace and they that's like. That's true. I think like if I have kings, I, I, I default to checking. It's well, funny, it's not but, a range bet now, is it? Right. It, right. You're right. It's, it's funny because I, like in my mind, this is a range bet, but like. Then you have kings. But like kings is like one of the few hands. Queens. I mean, to be fair, I think nines bets a lot. Yeah. I think nines. But I agree with you that it's not a range bet. I think right. nines so that, you can so do that, whatever you want. You can sort of, like, sometimes you get some protection. You get some, like, two mm -hmm. over cards to fold, right? Getting king, queen suited to fold is nice. So so if you are going to bet bet nines, but you're also going to check back some hands, then we need to go a little bigger? I think small is still correct, where, like, aces isn't going to want to go bigger. And you're not going to pure check it back. Mm -hmm. So I think I just, I think I'll just go small size or check, but I wouldn't always bet. I wouldn't always bet. You're allowed to check back some hands here. Like sometimes yeah. you can check back like some low frequency, like um, ace ten suited type stuff. Like ace nine suited. I don't know how much you're three betting in the first place. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't maybe check like two pair. maybe some like yeah you five know what? six. I'd always the thing bet. is the thing is you're right because I think like I think like some hands like kings and queens and maybe like the ace ace threes ace four suited that I I, I would check those back. The way I like to think about these types of textures, uh, especially in three-bit pots where SPR is like 10, mm -hmm. is, uh, and this is how it's pretty clear to identify that you don't really have a range bet. I like to think about it as what hands can 3E and then what do the other hands want to do? So for instance, if this board texture was like 963 rainbow, right? I can think about what hands like would like the 3E here. It's going to be, uh, for the audience, uh, 3E is geometric sizing. So the same, same percentage of the pot over three streets where we're all in on the river, right? The, the, the purpose of geometric sizing is to be all in, always, right. right? So I think to myself, what types of hands can play for all of the chips over three streets? And on like 963, it's, you're going to start with sets. And then you're going to look at your strongest over pairs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you're specifically going to lean on like your strongest over pairs that need protection. So like maybe queens, exactly. Yeah. So these types of hands, barring favorable runouts, will be able to play three streets all in. Uh, and, and that's the way I would bucket it. When you look at then what the other hands want to do in your three bet range, all of them have some incentive to bet on 9-6-3, right? So you look at like 9-6-3 rainbow, You'll get a hand like Queen Jack. It has good backdoor properties. It stands to favor or to benefit for folds, yada, yada, yada. So like in that instance, um, even though it probably technically is not a range bet board and we do have some check backs, we're going to be leaning closer to a high bet frequency, right? Because truthfully, I could probably navigate a big bet of geo size and then a quarter, quarter pot with range, right? Um, but we could also like you know check whatever whatever it doesn't really matter. The point is like it's gonna be a higher bet frequency board. When you look at like a six five, I think about like what hands do I want to go geo with, and again it's gonna be sets and then like my strongest ace x. Um, and whenever I look at the strongest ace x, it's gonna be like my ace king, ace queen, 
maybe like ace jack suited uh backdoor properties things along those lines right but there aren't a lot of other hands but there are a lot of other hands in my range so then when you start to look at like oh what does the rest of my range want to do immediately you could just look at kings mm-hmm. and say that doesn't really want to bet right right now it could bet quarter but like it doesn't have to and i'm not like pumped about it largely i'm going to be betting quarter to check back the turn anyway so now you can kind of start to understand that maybe i just don't always follow through on these types of textures and it becomes a good anchor point for you to understand how to play in position in three up pots on certain textures where um you know even though this looks rather static in the sense that it's firmly ace high there aren't going to be any over cards that change the texture or anything along those lines uh it's also one of those things where by default that will uh create a little bit more of a polarized range Right? You're going to have some hands that are just like absolutely nothing, no equity or very low equity on this type of texture. And then really, really strong hands. Like a hand like ace jack is very difficult to beat if you don't already have it beat on the flop. Right. Right. So it, it really starts to have this great divide. And now there's a really robust middle of like your pocket pairs, your, your middle pairs that you flop, like your 6X, mm-hmm. your 5X. Basically what I'm holding. Yeah, precisely. Right. Uh, whereas on a, like a lot of other textures, if you get like a six deuce deuce board, you have like this really robust portion of value, this really robust portion of nothing, but even the nothing still carries like relatively high equity mm-hmm. because it's going to be like two over cards. Yeah, uh, back door ace king or something. Or like yeah. or even jack 10, you know, right. like these hands have a lot of equity mm-hmm. on like six draw, deuce, maybe. deuce. Yeah. yeah. Or you just have like an ace out. Yeah, you right. Ace three, and like right, you right. can still just win. Yeah, you just like have a reasonable amount of equity on on these dry textures. Whereas, like you know, on Ace six five, Jack ten is dick. You know, it's 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 really like falling down in the bottom. Nine they ten, blast, they're good ones to blast, but it's they're good ones to blast <laughs> because they complement the the Ace King Ace Queen, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is, like, you have this robust middle now that doesn't ever really want to blast. Eights, and nines, wants to, yeah, tens, it wants to reduce jacks. the game to like one or two streets, and mostly keep the bets. Uh, sub pot, right? So you're going to be looking for that smaller sizing scheme. It's more so being comfortable applying a capped range when you check back. Like I think that yep. people love range betting because it they're allowed it to stay uncapped. uncapped yeah. Where in the check back node, you now have to make some tough decisions potentially. But a worse decision is putting money in and then getting check raised and barreled when now you can't win at all. Yeah, and I mean sometimes like even getting check raised would be welcomed, right? Because it lets you off the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he gets check raised here with nines, it's just like, okay, okay. buddy, whatever. Nice like your fold. ace five yeah. is good, I'm dead. Yeah. It folds. But whenever he doesn't get check raised, <laughs> and he's actually against one of the hands that he's targeting that's better than his hand, Pens, but jacks. should fold, uh, now you kind of like just run it. Yeah. And that's that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm interested why you chose to bet the turn because in my mind, on a board texture like this, now granted it's a three bet pot, so I would be a lot more conservative. But say this is a single raise pot where uh, you just flatted nines and he checked to you on the flop and you chose to bet. I would bet the turn for value. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you were asking me why I was betting nines on the turn for half pot, it would be like, oh, because I can target sevens and eights and six, seven and. Uh, you know, some other hands that he checked. Sometimes protect from right. king high or yeah. whatever. From Yeah, yeah. his back doors. I, Granted, it's very thin, but mm-hmm. like I have a purpose behind it. Like I'm yeah. clearly doing it to extract EV. You can make mm-hmm. a case for I, it. I, yeah. I chose to bet the turn because I thought that, um, you know, I bet super small. I bet small on the flop. So I, I thought like those hands that, you know, 
that that beat me mm-hmm. are still in there that that I could like that might fold now or or will fold on river like if to to a more aggression like tens jacks queens um weak aces that so that's what i i kind of thought so i was like well if i get called again he's just super capped and and i can just go for it see this is this is where you're semi range in the muck well yes (laughs) and it's because you're semi range aware of him Mm -hmm. but you have no range awareness of yourself right because you're pushing nines now to the bottom of your range in a Mm -hmm. spot where you were admittedly range betting yeah right so like if you're admittedly range betting on that flop think of how many worse hands you have than nines right Right, like nines is going to fall like squarely yeah. in the middle yeah. of of your your equitable hands here, and you're going to have so many lower equity hands. Mm-hmm. Even a hand like seven eight, which has an obvious draw to the nuts, or an eight nine type of holding, mm-hmm. obvious draw to the nuts. Uh, they're lower in equity. They don't show down. They don't ever win. You're talking about like suited broadways. Suited broadways, like uh, you know. Remember, if you're range betting this flop, you carry everything over to the turn. So you have all these unpaired hands yeah. that you could choose from to just like YOLO it off, mm-hmm. right? And See, I'm not saying that one would be better than the other. Like but in my mind, it, it, like once we get to the turn, nines are like at the bottom because they don't beat anything else. But that's, I guess, not the right thing. Well, he should have a six in his hand, right? Some of the time. Should have six, seven. Six, yeah, maybe six, seven, I guess. I mean, I don't know how wide yeah. these guys get. He should have pocket sevens. Or eights and eights. sevens. The point is, like, yeah. if you're betting this, you're over bluffing because now you're right. betting too much garbage as well as the stuff. Where, like, if you have call it the low frequency, um, like all of your pairs that you're gonna want to three bet at a low frequency now all have sets. Right. Like fives, like twenty percent. Sixes, like twenty percent. Yeah. Like sets. Or they're sevens and or eights, sevens, which have draws. Which have draws. Now you yeah. don't want to bet these ones specifically. Right. So now you want to pull from the high card hands to use mm-hmm. for your, your doubles. But I'm pretty sure the size would be like a polar size. Probably yeah. like two e here. Yeah, yeah. Like it's ace Agreed. king, ace queen. Uh, check back ace jack ace right. ten. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's a really great point, Landon. The sizing makes no logical sense. It's so incongruent with what your strategy wants to do. It's, it's like hand play, really. Yeah, it's a function of your hand mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Custom bet. Right, because if you have ace king there, when the backdoor flush draw comes, when the straight card completes, you're going bigger. You're you're not going to bet half pot and hedge. You're either going to check it back to trap or or to have a bluff catcher on a future street, or you're going to bet like pot and a half, right? Um, and yeah, I guess like it was the four hearts on the turn. Yes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not exactly the best card in the deck. Yeah. He does have seven eight. Right. Sure, know? that doesn't check raise here mm-hmm. and there. Maybe yeah. he does. Maybe he doesn't. Right. But we have seven eight and full for range betting flop and three. He betting. also has sticky hands like ace three, ace deuce that are never folding now. Um, but I hate are, it when you guys say never folding. Bro, he has a gut shot and top pair. Pair plus is not going to fold. No, I get it. I'm just, you know, keep <laughs> yeah, in mind, we're not playing against machines. Okay, guys. but right. we're betting, we're betting no, but 55% we're people that want to play a five-part hand. He's not, fo- uh, like, no, Berkey's right. Like, he, like, if he has ace three, he's just, he's never folding to a half pot bet there. Like, very often, very rarely. Yeah, I think it's the verbiage that just annoys me. The never okay, folding yeah. part. Never, the never like, stuff. Like, very rarely. I, we yeah. all see things. Look, that, I, mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not an always or never type of guy when it comes to poker, but people don't like folding when they can actually make the nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of correct in most spots, depending right. where making a five-card hand is worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. There, there has to be some line. Like, I think I can confidently say he's never folding pocket aces, right? <laughs> like, at some point, there's a line where it's just abundantly clear yeah. that a hand never hits the muck. Right. And even if you're wrong, even if it is a non-zero chance, like, you know, we, we all speak this language. We know what we mean when we say never. It's just a low enough frequency where it's not worth considering. Right. Like, right. being afraid of this one 
nightmare hand to completely fuck you is the, the not bigger enough point, to yeah, not go for it. The bigger point, though, is that like now that takes some of his weakest top pair holdings that you may otherwise be able to apply pressure to and buckets them into a category where like they're always going to continue at a mm -hmm. high frequency, right? So now that even shrinks further the the target of hands. Um, the fact that like he had what he had. Did you divulge what he had? You told, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the fact that he called queens. down with queens is mm -hmm. obviously insane, <laughs> but it should it should give you an understanding of how incongruent your line is, mm -hmm. right? So I think two things are at play here. One, I think that you're more likely to get value paid off in general, but two, it's abundantly clear to me that you have a bit of a misunderstanding on how how or when to polarize. Right. So like he's in his mind, he's thinking, well, if he doesn't have ace king, then I'm winning. Right. That, right. That's what he, that's what he, his, he deduced it to. And he probably doesn't and, understand that you're supposed to polarize that turn, but he probably does understand that that sizing is just like not much pressure. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a hand like seven, eight betting 60% mm -hmm. pot, now it's just lazy. Not that much pressure. And now all of a sudden, all this pressure comes on the river. Right. Where it's like, why, why, why didn't you bring the pressure on the turn? Correct. When, when the draw, all the, the board, board got scary. Right. Even right. if you have a hand like seven, eight of hearts, uh, how are you going to get all the money? Right. With this sizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that it's indicative. I haven't looked at the solve yet, but I'm pretty sure you're going to get a big, big thumbs X. down from the, from the, you know, you can't always be right. I can't always have the wizard hat. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's take a look and see what the wizard has to say I about think, this one. I think the big X is coming. Oh boy. Man. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, you're going to see some inconsistencies with how you play the hand versus what it looks like in theory. Bro gets leads. He does. Sick. He does. Yes. Uh, and now granted this is, this wait, is, villain gets leads. Yeah, but it's based off ace, of him five, playing six. a pretty tight, uh, calling range versus your open. You can see he doesn't have much in the way of suit connector. So he actually has no eight, seven, which I think is not really correct. Wait, he has no eight, seven. He yeah, does. He never this is, opens this is based calls. On, well, he folds. Because this is based on uh, like the live rake and how aggressively you're gotcha. supposed to be three betting. But like, let's say we paint a little bit of the good old stuff. Let's let's give him half of the stuff that we know he probably has, um, like the queen jack suited king tens. So a lot of the well, stuff is supposed to four what else, bet. What else? Right. And it's just not going to in mm -hmm. in real life, yeah. you know. So like these suited aces are probably going to exist mm -hmm. a lot higher frequency. So let's give him. Yeah, let's widen him out a bit, you know? Let's give him the king-queen, the ace-queen. We'll, we'll, we'll say he folds uh, the ace-jack, and let's give him the ace-king suited small frequency, 25%. Okay, uh, and then also I think it's reasonable to just give him the pocket pairs always, or at least half the time. People love sets. Yeah, no one's raised folding pairs, bro. No one's playing that good. All right, let's check it again and see if the wizard still disagrees. My guess is yes. Uh, but I think the leads are going to go away. Yep, leads go away. No shock there. Uh, playing single size, you do not have a range bet, of course, um, as we kind of delineated. So it, it's really... Kings uh, can still value bet because he has so many under pairs. Mm -hmm. Queens can as well, but they're just much less incentivized to, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine this has a lot to do with his Broadway hands. Uh, he probably just has like more queen high hands than king high hands. So these, this needs uh, a little bit less protection, I guess. Um, but yeah, you see you're pretty linear in the way that you choose to see bet. Obviously, your pure bets are going to come from sets and two pair. So ace five, sixes, things of that nature. Nines, it gets in the mix. It's, uh, it's suit dependent. Um, what size does it use? 
we're we're playing one size, so it's okay. uh forty percent. Um and I don't think that's a geo size. So it looks like it doesn't really like choosing geo size. Now, geo size would be bigger. Yeah, I think geo would be like closer to pot. Yeah. Uh okay, so you're gonna play bet forty. He's mostly gonna play call. He does have some raises, of course, but um you're unlikely to see a lot of them in the wild. Four heart turn. Might see some leads here. No, because he only has the big size. So uh, he's going to play pure check. And yeah, as we kind of suspected, now you go 2E. So uh, we land on a turn with an SPR of, I guess, around four and a half. Um, and now you see that we just strictly play 2E or check. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's exactly as you suspected. So even like the top yeah, pair. No, I, I think the SPR is higher than that. Right, there's, there's like 80. I chose bet 40, not what you bet. Oh, gotcha. You bet 25. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, even even if we make the SPR a little bit higher, you're just going to see the 2E size mm -hmm. still. No, 40% yet. Yeah, so it, it'll be like closer to like 150 if mm -hmm. we choose your, your range bet size on the mm -hmm. flop. Um, and you can see that like it's actually really strict in what it chooses to polarize with. Ace-King itself plays a lot of check back. The, the two-pair fear. Yeah. Yeah, it's again, it's range awareness, right? Like, there's such a tightness to how mm -hmm. the ranges are playing. He has two pair. He has. Well, uh, it's not about if he has. It's what happens when we bet this size. Correct. Like, what continues when we bet this big two size? Pairs. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's right. tough to start extract. It, it's hard so to value bet ace king. People when, will make mistakes, of course, but yeah, it's it's difficult to bet ace king if like ace ten auto folds. So I'm guessing you want a two e without really looking. You want a two e like. You're nuts, right? Like you're, you're yep, sets, two pair plus, two pair plus, and then you're like high equity hands, like uh, pair plus draws, or, or maybe like big draws, like yeah. So you, so you maybe not pair plus draws, but so again, we we didn't give you a lot of uh, what you probably might be three betting, so mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of the suited connectors, yeah, right? And I could adjust for that, but assuming that you don't have much in the way of suited connectors, or like the king high suited, it's king right. four through king seven. Mm -hmm. No, he has those. I have them in there. I'm saying. Oh, you're saying he, in you don't practice, think he does he's it? Not, yeah. I've okay, never yeah. seen somebody play a three by power king four in my life. Right, right. Okay. So yeah, you would basically just be <laughs> yeah. swapping those in your in your range mm -hmm. delineation. Right. So like if you have king six suited, uh instead of barreling that off, you would just barrel off uh you know six seven suited instead. Yeah. Pocket eights, pocket sevens, these all pure bet. Right. And they're strictly in the in the equitable bluff range now. Right. Eights are pretty sick for the double blocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can maybe win. Yeah, and as you see, nines is almost a pure check now. Mm -hmm. Depends um, on suit. It, it, yeah, it likes the nine of hearts to bet because you take away his combo draws. I had it. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess at a low frequency. <laughs> also you, bet you're still, he's still in the mix. Right, but you, you <laughs> actually... Cooking, it, it's cook, possible that cook. you let played this like a genius. Yeah. Let me, let me we, I was aware of that. I will add your size. <laughs> uh, I'll add your size in and see what, if anything, that... That changes. Um, so sixty percent pot. Let's see if it's ever chosen, and with what portion of range. Very small frequency, and okay. it's just all the same hands. So nines mm -hmm. gets to bet a little bit more now. 
So again, nines with nine mm, I hearts. See. <laughs> but you can put see that, put the, that put that green check mark. But you can see that's what we were saying about hand playing, right? Yeah. Like it actually is. Right. It's largely building the strategy. <laughs> no, no, that's not Absolutely right. Not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Let it's that be, man because cook. it's largely building the strategy around sixty percent pot and mm -hmm. being able to extract another street of value thinly. So it's choosing nines. It's choosing the ace kings now. Yeah, uh, that's coming in at a higher frequency. Um, the ace fours and ace fives are basically there for protection's sake. Uh, ace eight is now going for a little bit thinner value, but it, it, it just likes the bigger size too. Um, so yeah, you just want to be able to coordinate with the board, either having two bear plus or having like the eight, nine block, mm -hmm. um, or the seven block and, uh, keeps it pretty simple. So if we follow through with this and get called again, uh, this is interesting. Obviously, Queens is a pure fold now, which he chooses to disobey. Son of a bitch. But I think if we actually look at what happens when you bet big, I think you're going to Print start... this out and shove it down his shirt like, like Coward look, did. Look what happens to his ace-x. <laughs> the referee. Look what happens to his ace-x whenever you choose the proper 2e size. Can't bet ace-king so yeah. ace-nine ace ace through ace-jack, all pure folds if it doesn't have a flush draw. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, that's not true. Uh, it mixes folds if it doesn't block... Or, or sorry, if it doesn't unblock the back doors. Uh, so it's the ace jack of diamonds that starts pure folding. Mm -hmm. Ace 10 of diamonds, pure folds. Ace nine of diamonds goes nuts. Why does it go nuts? Oh, it has nine block. Mm. Um, right. So you get very particular now at the top pair. You've, you've created a point of indifference at his strongest hand class. Yeah. That isn't two pair plus. Right. So that's kind of the power of understanding how to polarize in this particular situation. Whereas the way that you played it, you can see that the indifference point is much different. Mm. Sure, ace-queen has a little bit of indifference to it, and so do the other ace-x's. And queens is still a pure fold, so that works. Um, but uh, just the overall fold equity and the efficiency at which you're able to accumulate value goes way, way down. Because now, basically, what you're trying to do is keep ace-queen in more often. right? You're trying to get thinner value. From those types of hands and then a hands like nines is trying to benefit from queens jacks and tens folding but having a hand like seven six call right mm -hmm. uh having a hand like i guess like uh there isn't much else eights eights actually pure folds i'm surprised by that sevens like targeting sevens to pure call it's so narrow the the range that you're honing in on um so you know we we just start to get into error territory at this point uh what was the river Six offsuit six. Okay. So yeah, six, the, six of spades. Well, it doesn't really matter. So when the board pairs, obviously he has no leads. Um, and you can see again, you're only playing polar sizings. It's either pot or all in. Uh, and that's off of your 60%. So you went pot ish, I guess. Uh, yeah, I went uh, 200 into 175. Okay. Pot ish. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, 115% pot or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never understand nines. These. Nines don't hate it. I mean, it's not great, but like it mixes. Cue the cue the graphics. No, don't cue the graphics. <laughs> I never understand like why you want to jam aces. It just feels so bad to do. You know, you just want to catch them with a six. Mm -hmm. Well, like he can also just raise a six on you himself. You just go B fifty. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what do you like, do if you have six, seven, and you face like, like at this point, bet, I bet think half. I mean, yeah, I guess at this point, like it's just kind of expected that you want to get all the money, and six, seven, seven, eight might not check jam. Like, let's let's look at the response. They might fold to it. Let's jam. look at the response if we bet pot because you have to remember it's a click, right? So if we bet pot, uh, six, five jams for a full house, seven, six jams, but it's low frequency. 
It's just um, low frequency that it exists. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess like a lot of... I guess you just like capture a lot of from the Ace X type stuff. Well, you got two right? of them in your hand. Yeah, but like <laughs> basically you still stack all the same hands that would stack if you bet smaller. Um, but you also stack like Ace Queen now, whereas you just don't if you bet 100% pot. Right. You're just praying that they have the last of it because they called twice. So they probably I wonder if you would have called if I would have shoved yeah. those nines. It's more like the inelastic <laughs> part, I imagine. Like, the, does that a position have flush draws that they call twice with on the turn? Like, not flush draws? Or do they have to just like play a raise or some sort of, some sort of on the uh, turn? Like the King X? Yeah. I don't even know how much they would have it, to be honest, but let's take a look. It doesn't even exist. He has none. It's just yeah. gone. Yeah, it's just gone. Yeah, so like when, back gone. To, like when backdoor flush draws kind of exist in these sort of nodes, you don't really need to worry about running into it, like if running into the king, queen of hearts or whatever, if like a heart comes in, because you bet flop on ace, six, five, or whatever the flop was. Ace, six, five. They can't float really with two overs or two unders to the board because there's an ace out there. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not that scary. It's like, oh, the flush caught there, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, even though it's, like, kind of giving you permission to, to YOLO it off here with nines, uh, obviously don't like it. He kind of sneaked his way into, like, He's supposed mediocrity. to be folding, like, a bunch of ace-x. <laughs> like, he's supposed to fold ace-four uh, for the counterfeit two-pair, mm -hmm. but he called queens. Yeah. So, like, your line stinks. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, like, the general conclusion here is that you're, uh, you have a gross misunderstanding of what your overall range looks like, mm -hmm. and you're pushing a middle-of-range hand to the bottom uh, in a way where it doesn't actually act uh, very effectively for you, you know? You could have just played a very small pot here where it just checks down and you win. Or, sorry, you, you, you lose, you lose but the You minimum. lose a very small yeah. pot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, I could have bet the flop and it went, like, check, check, turn, and then check, check, river. Check, check, river. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or he throws out like some stupid little small block bet and I <laughs> so fold or I try go. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, the, 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 stupid little block. you, you want to be able to think about yeah. the other lines that you right. have too, right? Yeah. Like you're not just going to get to triple off here a lot. Right. And just play 2E from the turn on. You mm -hmm. don't have a lot of hands that are capable of that. Right. So you have to be quite considerate of like your bet checkback range. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot of like ace-10 suited, ace-jack suited in that line. You're going to have a lot of, um, you know, pair, uh, not so much pair plus. I think those serve you pretty well as doubles. But you're going to have a lot of the middling pocket pairs. You're going to have queens. You're going to have jacks. You're going to have tens, nines, whatever. Um, and those hands just get to win at showdown at a really high frequency. So I think like the overall takeaway here is don't don't push it. You know, you let the game come to you kind of thing. Just because you three bet doesn't suddenly mean that you have free reign to take all of your hands right. and just like try to blow them off of their equity. It's also the big reason why for out of position Ace King plays heavy no, call that versus four. Gotta go. And there's no no wizard today. I don't know. I still like it, B. <laughs> You uh, now I know it's a mistake. You always need a friend like that. But like it's why out of position needs yeah. to protect their range and not always forward ace king. Because if they yeah. oh, if they always swear by ace king and don't play flats out of position, they kind of get attacked pretty hard in these ace sideboards. So yeah. just don't always swear by ace king when you Can have it. Can we do it. a little bit of do, anecdotal evidence? Like, do, would this would this have worked against you, Landon? Would the, would if I call if you three have, bet you have, and you face you have bet, pocket bet. queens and and the tortoise is just putting you? you to probably the just test. folds turn. I would fold. Uh, turn would be so weird versus. I that would size. call versus half, but yeah. I wouldn't be happy about it. Yeah. But then you overbet's big. All right, turtle. So Turtle gets it on the river. Turtle yeah. gets it. How about you, Mr. Burke? Uh, I think same. I think the, the river six would get me to fold probably. Although, I don't know, man. Maybe I would just be like, this guy doesn't have ace king anymore. 
So now he's trying to sell me on the six five, six seven hand. Like, show me, show me or blow me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I might be a little bit curious. Like, yeah, the sizing is just like don't. Don't add well, up. You, you said you like it. You still like it. Is, is, like it, is it basically think, just think, because of the aggression practice, factor? Right. I think in practice, like, it, people are folding queens there a lot. Mm-hmm. That's not the point, though. No, I, I understand. Right? I understand. Like, like I said, this is all anecdotal. I, I just no, think, I understand. But my... The, the player pool that I'm in... Yes. ...allows me to get away. Like, it, it's not an excuse for making the mistakes, but <laughs> a lot of times it allows me to not get punished for those mistakes. The... The issue is, and this will carry us into today's conversation, um, which is mostly formulated around uh, costly habits. Uh, this can be a very costly mindset whenever you have kind of conditioned yourself to believe that the environment acts in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, what you're basically saying is that people overfold. People overfold to aggression. And that is possibly true in uh but that's not even an overfold he overcalled which is which is which is even more unlikely that's my point that that's why i'm trying to separate the two because i don't think it's necessarily true as a sweeping statement people do overfold in certain nodes mm-hmm. but then they also overcall in other nodes obviously and like you think like oh they don't overcall but clear evidence shows that no, sometimes they, absolutely they do, do. and and the thing is is being able to hone in on what drives like what motivates the the drive behind each mm-hmm. when they overfold it's when sprs are incredibly deep and they're facing a lot of aggression so when there's a threat for all the money to go in um in spite of the fact that like the spr is like 20 25 pots right right they're going to overfold early because they don't want to face the heat mm-hmm. they, they don't want to like put in 300 big blinds right. in a single raised pot. But once we're already arrived at the river and they're facing one bet and now yeah. it's now it's binary. And not even the like, river, right? Like yeah. you can, you can go flop and turn in this situation right. too. He, un, he, he's under rep or sorry, he's, uh, under repped with his Queens for sure. In spite of the fact that it's an ace high board and now having Queens isn't important yeah. in his mind, he under repped his hand by not four betting pre and therefore he's near, nearer to the top of his range. Which is true pre-flop. Just emotional attachment to having queens. Right. So he was at the top of his range pre and now is in the middle of his range post, but he hasn't made the adjustment. Mm -hmm. He's still at the top of his range emotionally and the SPR is lower. So there isn't a great fear of facing a ton of pressure. Now, had you gone like 40%, 120, 120 all in, I bet queens hit the muck somewhere, probably on the turn, right? Mm -hmm. Because in that node... That node's queens feels really bad. He won't overfold, but he'll fold correctly. Yeah, you know. But in a node where like you kind of just like string them along, like you're you're pulling for value, you get exactly what you want if you have value. He overcalls. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like the catch twenty. Like the way I would play with this is, uh, I would actually be forty one ten one ten only with bluffs. Like just try it only mm-hmm. with your bluffs. Yeah, and then with your value. Go like B40, B60, uh, or, or like 75% pot or whatever, and then full pot river. And see the difference in the way that you see a response. I mm-hmm. will bet you win the pot a really, really high frequency on the turn. I'm only going to do that to people I know that are not watching this. Right, exactly. Yeah. I know there's a lot of you watching this exactly. that play with me. Good strat. But I think... I think <laughs> Your jewel compatriots are in the chat. <laughs> no, yeah, they're out. Is that you, you start to see an... Uh, a correct amount of folds if not a slight overfold versus the overbet on the turn um whereas like you'll see a lot of pot commitment by the end 
if you kind of string them along with this doubling your size each street. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to bet 25, and then I'm going to bet 50, and then I'm going to bet pot. You know? And what you'll see is, like, hands that should have just folded to the half pot on the turn get strung along for three streets. And now, all of a sudden, you have targeted that middle of range. It's, it's, um, it's a lazy exploit in the sense that uh, it's difficult to pin down who is going to fall victim to this and how profitable it actually is because the more theoretical line should make more money, right? Because, like, basically, if you could just bet larger... Uh, you don't need to get called quite as frequently and you'll make a lot more money. But the problem is, is that in this environment, large bets equal scary. So you kind of have to like pull them along a little, you know? Um, But like, yeah, it's a parlor trick that just works incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, if you're good enough at understanding what's supposed to happen at baseline, you can carry this massive imbalance into your game until somebody finds you out. Yeah. Right? Until those big bets start getting looked up at a frequency that feels uncomfortable, only then do you have to start balancing. But even yeah. then, you still have like the the nice fallback of like, oh, well, I'm just going to be balanced in this line now. Yeah, you, you can just do it with value, right. and then boom. And then right, you get so now they off. might like, yeah. start calling a little too frequently. Right. right, I think people try to custom these lines where they think that they want to get folds or people fold too much, when in reality, it's more just like an emotional hedge. Mm-hmm. Like choosing this size and you're bluffing thinking oh they're gonna fold these sort of hands and then when you do have value picking a different line it's actually pretty big imbalance yeah yeah like if you see turn size and you're like oh wait a minute this seems weird and incongruent with value correct yeah it's a lot easier to effectively suss out a bluff yeah really really i think what we're talking about here is just eliminating the hand play concept right like we can look at this texture and know what the global strategy is. Yeah. It's going to be a better check on the flop for some relatively small size. Then it's going to be a better check on the turn for a polarized size. Yeah, I fucked this up bad actually during uh, one of the Poker Go 10Ks where I threw that big blind versus button. It's like 50 effective with kings. The board came like ace, jack, four with a flush draw. I had black kings, no suit. And in my brain, for whatever reason, some boards felt like range bets and aren't range bets. Mm. And very clearly, this is a board like you don't want to be 50 with aces or kings or queens. But I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure if I'm correct or not. And I didn't want to hand play pure check kings. Yeah. So I went for 50 and it was just wrong. It's just a, it felt is, wrong. It's, it like, is normally, a pure check bet. Yeah, it's a pure, just yeah. a pure check, right? Or, I, yeah. I threw about, or I threw about big blind. But the range, most of the time if something feels wrong, there's a reason why it makes sense. You just don't want to bet this board every time mm-hmm, because right. a lot of the hands you're going to have are going to be queens, tens, kings. And that's a lot of the portion of your range when you're polar mm-hmm. because you're not going to have that many other garbage hands right. unless you're going to have some king, king four. So you're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're also just checking ace king there. Ace king, you go big bet. Ace oh, king is the top gotcha, of your value. Gotcha, and then aces yeah. plays your pure check. Yeah, remember, gotcha. generally speaking, whenever we're going to lean on a polarizing size or a very large size, mm-hmm. we're going to do it with a, a, a very small fraction of our range. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's we're going to have a, a dominant strategy that is not that size. Yeah. And then we're going to have that size for a, a small portion of our polarized range. And it's the same thing in your spot. When we arrive at the turn, uh, we're going to have the dominant strategy be checking. But when we bet, it's for stacks, mm-hmm. right? And as long as you know that, it doesn't really matter how you carve out the intention of that strategy until people have vision over your strat, right? So if you just know that the line sequence here is uh, better check flop, and if you bet 
less than half make, make sure it's less than half pot and then on turn better check turn but uh only choose a polarizing line even if you only filled that line with your bluffs it's going to be very difficult for people to combat against it without a hand. Yeah. Like, he can't just take queens to the face here. Right. It's very unlikely. Tough mm -hmm. part about poker is actually making a good hand. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and most people just aren't going to have ace-king in his position in that line. Like, Enough. they're going to four-bet too often. Not in that player pool. Like, I think, like, the, the smaller stakes, you, you don't even see... You see... <laughs> it's amazing how often I see uh, ace-king not even getting three-bet. It's a drawing hand, I'm, baby. No, I mean, I mean, it's like, it, like in very, like, very, like, amazing formations, like yeah. bet, call, overcall with ace king. Mm -hmm. You know, what's or, crazy like, too is the uh, people overcall the small blind with ace king yeah, offsuit. Yeah. The the yeah. people who play that way also will undervalue it post when they make a pair. Right, because mm -hmm. they didn't clean up in their mind. They didn't clean up the equity pre-flop. So now, so now the two pairs are out there. Yeah. Sets are out yeah, there. Yeah, there's all monsters the under connectors the bed. Exactly. are out there. Everyone plays all these yeah. offshoot ace X's, and I yeah. didn't three bet them off of it. So it's yeah. like I don't want to go broke versus ace five off. Right. On you know ace five deuce rainbow. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, they 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 live with the monsters under the bed syndrome. It just carries through street to street, and you end up just value cutting yourself and getting mad. Yeah. Because you're like, how do you have that hand kind of thing? But honestly, like in, in games like that, I think value cutting yourself is a really important trait to possess. If you find that you're never value cutting yourself, and what I mean by that is uh, betting for value and getting called by, vet, by better, um, if, if you never find yourself in that scenario or like extremely rarely, you're not betting thin enough for value, for sure. Yeah. Right? Like you're just, you're leaving way too much money on the table in, a, in an environment where most of the money you're making is by the fact that they call too much. Yeah, that, that's also, uh, you know, a very big, trait or you know of, of a lot of the the player pool is, yeah. is they 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 don't find the thin value for right sure. they don't find the yeah. thin value and they don't find uh they find the hero folds early but not late mm -hmm. they're very content to just check down like the, the upper middle part of their yeah, that's because if they hero fold it early and they decided not to fold it they clearly mm -hmm. made that decision earlier yeah it, it's, it's like it's, a premeditated decision from a flop this is uh this is one of the second ones that we have listed here as yeah. as far as traits that are costing you. It's it's making your river decision on the turn. Yeah. Right? People who have decided since I called turn, I have to call river. Yeah. Uh, or I can't call turn because I have to fold the river. Correct. Correct. And that's uh it kind of goes hand in hand with something else that I have I've listed here, uh, which is uh just range awareness, right? So people don't understand that in a very generic way of talking about ranges, um, what, we're, what we're saying is that on every street, every time an aggressive action is taken, you'll have a portion of your range that uh, qualifies as your highest equity hands that have the versatility to either re-aggress themselves or to trap. Then you'll have the middle of range, which is largely going to play as bluff catchers. So they're mostly going to play passively and allow the range that's aggressing uh, to bet worse value or to, uh, to bluff, right? And then you have like the bottom of range. And this is the part that people don't get right. Uh, they don't understand that they have this portion of range that's just allocated to folding versus aggression, right? And they do understand that the hands are supposed to fold, but they try to preempt it. And say like I don't want to make a mistake later, and they try to just like fold it. Like if if they anticipate that they're in that bluff catching region, 
but they're closer to the bottom. And they say, well, if I try to bluff catch here, then I'm going to have to fold to a bet on the river. They just fold it right then and there versus that bet. But what they don't recognize is that sometimes the river goes check, check, and now mm -hmm. you win. Yeah. And it's okay. As a matter of fact, it's important to call with hands now that are getting the proper price for their equity in order to fold later. Because if you fold the hands that have to fold on the next street versus a bet, now whenever you face that bet, you, have fold, you don't have any folds left. Right. And that's a big problem. It may not seem like one because you're like, oh, well, then I'm unbluffable. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're unbluffable. So guess what people stop doing? They stop trying to bluff you, and yeah. now your bluff catchers are torching Yeah, because what now makes you unbluffable also makes you lose money versus their value, mm -hmm. right? And that's not the game. The game yeah. is to try to play zero EV in all notes, right? We, mm -hmm. we, we just want to reach indifference points. So um, I think it's really important to be range aware, and that's what I was kind of uh, like, like pointing to with your nines is that you're pretty range aware of like where his hands are pulling from. Mm -hmm. You know what the top, bottom, and middle look like, but I think you were kind of not aware of the fact, or maybe you were overly aware of the fact that like if you check back with nines, they're not a very good bluff catcher on the river, so you're checking back to just fold to a bet. Right. And if it goes check, check, you don't win often enough. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you're bucketing it into a bluff. But the problem is, is like if you look at all of the hands that you possess, you already have hands that have to check back to fold. You already have hands that have to bet to follow through to bet again, right? You have other hands that have to bet in order to check back the river. You have all these hands already allocated. So like stuffing nines into one of these baskets where it doesn't belong becomes really problematic because now you have created an imbalance that doesn't even naturally occur for you. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. naturally speaking, you know the value of nines. You're just like, oh, it came ace high in a three bet pot. I don't want to put any money in with nines, right? Uh, it, it was it was the the confusion with what theory you would want to do that kind of took you down a dark road, right? Because like mm -hmm. in the past, before you knew shit about shit, you'd just be like, oh, I three bet nines, it came ace high, I check back. Yeah. Or right? you just auto check back flop. Right. And then you would like deal with turns and rivers and mm -hmm. probably just like fold versus a bet on the turn, yeah. right? And just be like, oh, I'm done. And that's like fine. You know, when we look at how our range is constructed on the flop, the reason why you don't range bet is because you have so many hands like nines that can't really apply pressure to worse or sorry, to better uh, and can't really get called by worse. So you actually want to check back a lot of this range so that whenever you face a bet, now you did check back nines to fold the turn because you want to have folds, right? And you check back kings to call the turn. Because you want to be able to bluff catch. You want to mm -hmm. give him room to bluff, right? Nines interfere with his bluffs. Kings open them up, right? And it just works like very simply this way. But it's very hard, I think, people to, to uh, kind of have vision over if they haven't done some level of solver work. Uh, the way I like to think about it is like the biggest advantage that Sims or things like GTO Wizard offer to me is visuals. I'm a very visual person, right? When I close my eyes, I see the suits and I see the faces of the cards and like, that's the way my mind works. Yeah, pretty colors. Yeah, so, like, being able to look at a map that basically delineates what each portion of my range is doing in this current moment and then extracting some purpose out of that, right? Where I'm looking at it, it's like, oh, this hand mixes on this street versus this aggression. Uh, that means that on the following street, it'll be pure, right? Mm -hmm. Unimproved, it'll be a pure fold versus aggression. If I improve, it'll probably be a pure call or raise, 
Is right? it uh, is it safe to assume that we're checking back like some Ace Five suited and Ace Four suited? Uh, that's like, two pair. I'm I'm trying to think of like what. Sorry, that isn't two pair. Like an Ace that we check yes. back. Yes, mm -hmm. your non two pair Aces, even Ace King. I think we'll probably check back at some frequency if I go back and look at the flop. Yeah, there's just a lot of the way that the game is played based off a of function of hand worth, yeah. where you have Ace King off checks back half the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on that board, Ace King mm -hmm. off does. Yeah, Ace King suited bets pure because it's gonna have all the back doors. Okay. Uh, but Ace King off uh, checks back half the time. But um, the Ace King suited doesn't have the back door checks back. You block it, or the oh, board. You, oh, you the board blocks it, right? Oh, that's right. So yeah, you have three combos of Ace King suited. They all have back doors. Like yeah. oh, no, 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 you're no, right. You're right. There's four combos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, no, they all they all pure bet though. Okay. Um, it's probably just a frequency thing. thing. Yeah. Same thing with Ace Queen. Ace Queen mm -hmm. suited pure bets. Ace Queen off. Checks back half the time. I'll yeah. be honest. I don't think I have that in the arsenal. I think Ace King for me. Just I'm just auto betting there all the time. That's okay. You can just auto bet Ace King and then always check Ace Three. Yeah. Right. It, you're not giving a ton up. Yeah. Just or always check Ace Jack. Some maybe. parts of range want to function for the range awareness portion of like how to get better. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it functions better as like check turn, bluff catch river facing bet. Yeah. Or value bet yourself if facing check. Right. Where if you bet yourself, you get everything that's better to call and all of the bluffs that existed by floating the flop now have to fold. That's not good. Now, yeah, you're doing, you're getting the worst <laughs> right. of both worlds. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's just a matter of understanding where you're at in your range. Even though a hand looks really good, is it actually functioning the way you want it to? Because mm -hmm. if you immediately bucket ace nine on that board and say, do I want to play this hand for stacks? Your answer is clearly no. Right. So now you think, okay, if I'm going to have a GO2, like a 100 and X percent pot bet or a check, now it very easily makes sense to check it back. Yeah. And that's like another thing that uh, this is a bit of a, a sidebar, but um, understanding like it's very easy to map out all the available lines to you, right? Like you have a bet, bet, bet line, a bet, check, bet line, a bet, check, check line. A check bet bet line, a check check bet line. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. It sounds like it's a lot, um, but it's really not because mm -hmm. so many of those lines are like low frequency, right? Like, you're not going to check, check, check very yeah, often. Right. So, like, building that range out isn't super critical. It's better mm -hmm. to just build out whatever your check, check line is and then uh, figure out what check, check bets because that's the only one that's important. If it checks to you three times, you just get to decide, right? Yeah. Like, if you have check downs, it doesn't matter. If you have bets there, it does matter, right? Um, and it all stems off of like better check on the flop. So you just take these two actions that are available to you and then you build the trees off of them mm -hmm. and just understand like, okay, what are the, what are the three most common lines that I'm going to have off of betting the flop versus off of checking the flop or maybe even reducing it? What are the two most common lines, right? Well, off of betting the flop, it's probably going to be bet, bet, bet. And then the second most common line is probably going to be uh, bet, check, decide right same thing with checking it's like what are the three most common lines well it's probably going to be check bet uh or check decide right uh based off of if we face aggression or not so it's easy to anticipate how the rest of the game flowers if you just take a little bit of time and understand that like all of the work that i do on the flop is going to build my entire strategy for turns and rivers like kind of by default, mm -hmm. you know, if I split my range correctly on the flop, my turns and rivers become a lot more automatic. Yeah, much more easier. Yeah. Um, range awareness is like a pretty big, like blanket for how poker works as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> it's truly somewhat think something that people mess up. Well, how to play the game itself. Right. <laughs> right. I truly think that uh, it's funny because I'm 
in the camp, especially like playing really, really, really deep, where uh, I tend to lean on, well, preflop doesn't matter. But I don't mean it in the sense that it's a street that we can ignore. I mean it more so in the sense of like, it's not that important if you are a couple pips too tight or a couple pips too wide in any of the notes. Yeah, your loss rate's not going to be that extrapolated. It, yeah, it's it, you're so fucking deep. Like, it doesn't matter all that much. You can't be giving that much up one way or the other. But the way that it does matter and the way that I think it's often overlooked is allowing for that range awareness post. If you don't comprehend the shape of your opponent's range mm -hmm. and like what should theoretically be there when we arrive uh, and your range, then it's impossible to understand like what composition of good hands versus bad hands he possesses. Yeah, poker can definitely be a very sick game when you're playing against somebody that plays too many hands but is very aware of how they should be structuring bets and checks because now they know that you think he's too wide so you can go thinner for value. So you're not actually playing like the cookie cutter like kind environment game of playing versus a solve. Mm -hmm. But now you have to try to figure out how to take advantage of someone that's betting too much thinly or trying to bluff too much in certain nodes. I think this is one of the biggest pain points for people who play small and mid stakes is that uh, there are a lot of players that they play against where they just don't feel like they can have range awareness against them um because they feel like they're way too wide you know, they play any two how can you exactly, put them on a hand exactly and, and so what you don't <laughs> and 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 part of that stems from the fact that where players in your pool are range aware is when the ranges are far tighter than they're actually supposed to be right right four so bet pots. a four bet, pot, bet pot four right. bet pots four yeah. bet pots they assume that both ranges look like this Queens plus ace king. Four bit pots yeah. are like five bit mm -hmm. pots. Yeah. Yes. It, it, even worse. Because even five bit pots, like you're gonna have ace a little suited. bit. Of, yeah. There's gonna be some <laughs> sprinkle of bottom, right? Um, five bet pots don't. Unless really, it's five, they ball, don't really, five bet all. Yeah, they don't really exist. No, no, no. Really. That, that's just not the, what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that in your environment, each aggressive node is one step further in what you would see in theory. Oh, right, right, right. So the four-bet so ranges bet, look like five-bet five ranges. ranges. Except right. for yes, single-race pots. People play way too wide mm -hmm. in single-race pots. But yeah. three-bet pots because, are like four-bet ranges. Yeah. Right, right. Like a lot of people just like limp call a right. lot, right? So yeah, like yeah. what does that limp call range look like? It's wide. It's super yep. wide, yep, right? Yep. But what, what does a, a raise, you know, raise call bet look like? The, the thing is when it comes to like range awareness and this idea of having some vision over... Uh, what your range looks like and what your opponent's range looks like. First of all, first and foremost, having vision over your own range is what's most important, mm -hmm. right? Because the whole thing that we're trying to do uh, post-flop when creating a strategy is bucket the different portions of our range based off of their incentive, right? So when we have the top, middle, and bottom, we know that the top and bottom are going to match together pretty well. Mm -hmm. And we also know that the middle is going to uh, benefit from protection of the top. And then the bottom will also, uh, you know, get to realize some equity as a byproduct. So basically it's like, we can't just take the top and bottom and make those one action. And then the middle be another action, yeah. right? We just have to have awareness of all three buckets and then just like selectively pull from each of them to divide our, our strategy between the size that we choose when we are aggressive and then the passive action, right? Um, that's, that's, critical if you are the aggressor for sure but even if you're the uh the 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 defender and you're kind of playing bluff catch this is still very important because what it does instead of uh outlining what hands you play aggressively versus passively it actually outlines what hands are supposed to fold and that's the most critical aspect of bluff catching
is figuring out where the line of demarcation is for your folds. Mm -hmm. When you can find the indifference point versus a size in your range, and you just know everything below that becomes a pure fold, and everything above that uh, either mixes call or becomes a pure call, the game simplifies for you, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to make small tweaks and adjustments based off of uh, the propensity <laughs> of your opponent. Now, when it comes to having vision over your opponent's range, it's, it feels trying whenever your opponent could possibly have any two. He's a drunk guy and he just like goes wild or whatever the case may be. All you need to know is what the theoretical range is supposed to look like. And if it's way wider than that, just understand that it dilutes all of his value, right? So if you have 100 hands in your range and 10 of them are nutted, then 10% of your range is really strong. And we can, we can see that, right? But if you have 1,000 hands in your range and still only 10 of them are nutted, <laughs> right? Because yeah. like you didn't pick up any nut equity by adding a bunch of trash. Mm -hmm. Now only 1% of that range yeah. is really strong. And so we can just proceed accordingly and just print off of that massive amount of the range that just is disconnected and can't do anything. What they'll try to do to make up for this is like randomly aggress and go hard. And it strikes fear in people because they're like, oh, when the, when the maniac re-aggresses against me, I never know what he has. And he can have all of these combinations of like good hands. It's like, who cares? Who cares if you get stacked by bottom two on ace seven three, where he has seven three and you have ace king, no one cares. Mm -hmm. Just play your hand. You know what I mean? Like him having all these additional combos of seven three here don't lessen the EV of ace king. It increases the EV of ace king because he's also going to have a bunch of offsuit ace x now mm -hmm. that you just get to print from. He's also going to be forced to find a lot more bluffs. Because he might have all 16 combos of 6-5 and 4-5, right? He might have all these weird combinations of, you know, queen-5 suited that don't want to fold versus quarter pot, but obviously can't just all call. So now when he raises you, it doesn't just get funneled into the two-pair plus region. He has so much shit to choose from, and that's great for us. Mm -hmm. People are just so afraid of stacking off. And it's like, uh, one of the most powerful things I gathered from Heads Up is just the comprehension that you're supposed to get stacked a lot. And then actually going into it and never getting stacked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, in your case, you were you guys are playing extremely deep. So the likelihood that getting stacked happens happens sometimes, right? Like you could have got stacked when you didn't spike a straight against airball. Yeah. In that one hand. Um, but when Daniel and Doug played their heads up challenge for like six thousand hands, Doug was saying no one got stacked. Yeah. And it's like unfathomable at 100 big line poker that you just couldn't get stacked at <laughs> right. that depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you should get stacked like roughly one in every 100 hands or so. Uh, and maybe Someone's us, stacking somebody, somebody cooler, somebody, somebody calls yeah. off at the zero EV because if they don't, they're getting over, they're overfolding and losing EV there. Mm -hmm. It's just a very volatile game. But if you're playing 6,000 hands of poker and you don't get stacked, someone's doing something wrong. Right. <laughs> and that's the point that I'm trying to draw to here is that uh, when ranges are very wide, it's a very volatile game, period. So it doesn't matter if you're playing heads up or nine-handed. If people are playing 80% of range, the volatility shoots up through the roof. So does our EV. Everyone has to understand that, right? When you're playing in... The reason why everyone wants to play in Texas is because the environment's wild. And it's <laughs> wild, just wild way west. too loose. Right? It's like, why is Texas good? Because people play too many hands. Everybody that I know that brags and boasts about how good texas is and how much money they're making and all the other stuff they're all too fucking tight i promise you 
They have all made hero folds over the last year that I wouldn't even put an ounce of thought into. <laughs> and they were right often enough where it justified it in their head. Mm-hmm. The issue is like you don't want to be right there. Like you're, you're happier putting the money in and being wrong and winning that pot than you are folding and being right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the point that I'm trying to get across is that there's so much error rate in our ability to try to figure out what psychopaths who have too many hands to choose from are doing <laughs> that you should just fucking pay when you have good hands. It's a default mechanism where we want to try to force ourselves to be right. Yeah. yeah well, because the, the lens of the game, the way it's taught, is through the hierarchy of what beats what. Mm-hmm. And you are... Whether you are conscious of it or not, I mean, we all heard from day one, don't be results-oriented, long-term, yada, yada, yada. But whether you're conscious of it or not, every aspect of your first year or so in learning poker hands-on is Mm results-oriented. 100% of it. You could be having like perfect strategy, doing the right things, having a bad variance. If you're losing pots, now mm-hmm. the environment is different than what you've studied for. Right. Some, the material's wrong. Right. The te- people that have taught you hand history reviews are wrong. Like they don't, and, they don't know exactly. the game. Or but they like don't... when you when you say like just pay, like you like you're talking about a specific game where you know people are. It's crazy. No, I'm talking like, about a specific portion of our range. Okay. So what I mean by this, and I, I've been having these discussions mm-hmm. a lot. This is a topic for another day, but it's one that I'd like to get into. There's a huge difference between lazily putting money, putting money in the pot mm-hmm. and having hands that cannot fold. Right. There's a big difference. And the, the line of demarcation is blurry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not as obvious as you think. I'm not talking about having a set on a, you know, on a board where you're only losing to other sets versus like having top pair on a four-liner. Right. Like that's not what I'm saying. Right. Uh, what I'm saying is, yeah, I just want to make sure because like people like will hear this and be like, well, I can't just always call because like they just they just have it, they don't bluff enough, you don't play they the don't, same but they also don't value bet thin enough. Right. So it's like you, we we can't have it all ways. Mm-hmm. If you flop top pair top kicker on a board texture where like your opponent can have worse hands, period, whether it's for value or for bluff, like you mm-hmm. don't fall victim to the I couldn't I couldn't identify his bluffs. Therefore, put him I on a hand, yeah, right. No, Be- no, because I think, you fall I think, victim think, to like no, he no, won't that, bet king queen and I, here. And I, I think that that's that's the issue is is not like un like that you can understand is like they don't have bluffs here. Like so I felt, but like it's do they have worse value? That's that's the difficult part. What like, I'm is saying just trying is, to understand is like, do they actually have worse value here, th- so I can justify a call with my top pair? This is probably one of the things that like I've taken the most away from working with Landon. Like the like if if ever there's one thing that like he's passed on to me that I fully embrace and accept, it's pay. Pass the torch, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just pay. There are so many situations where I look back. And I had been so accustomed to making hero folds or didn't even feel like hero folds in the moment, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give you a hand that I played the other day versus a VIP that I actually do think was a very good fold, but it's the perfect example of just fucking pay. Right. Against VIPs. Well, against like general. your average no, against, person against, at the jewel. Against the is, average is, person, I would have paid. Against the VIP, I folded because I thought that, you know, he wasn't capable. Right. But in this instance, it was a three bet pot where I have king, queen. It comes queen eight three. Uh, he check calls. Turn is a five, bringing two flush draws, and uh, I have the queen of one of the flush draws. So it's two spades on the flop, two hearts on the turn. It's queen eight of uh, spades, 
five three of hearts. He checks. I bet two e, which is one hundred and ten percent pot, and he uh, a little more than clicks. So we have twenty thousand uh, effective on the turn. Uh, sorry, twenty three thousand effective on the turn. I bet five k. He makes it fifteen k. So uh, it's just like you know, this size is awkward and weird and he's the kind of guy who has five three suited here yada 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 there's a million reasons to find a fold and i ultimately did basically because i thought some of the hands he would overvalue the most would be like top pair in a flush draw so like queen x of hearts mm -hmm. but i had the queen of hearts and i folded and i do think that it was probably quote unquote right in the sense that i think he probably had a better hand like he could have had something like five three of hearts for two pair in a flush draw mm -hmm. that's why he didn't go all in uh, and he chose a milky size. But the whole point is that I don't think it matters. My hand just pays. Mm -hmm. My hand just pays always. I call, and on all rivers, I just call off the 8K. Because I don't fucking know what is in that range, and I don't care. Mm -hmm. My hand is too strong, and there are too few hands that beat me that he could have slow played up until this point that have me in bad shape. Right. So if he does have a hand like 5-3 for bottom two, I don't care. I have plenty of equity to suck out. If he has a slow played hand like pocket eights, God bless. You were supposed to just call and then stack me on most rivers anyway. Like whatever. I knew that I was going to go broke versus that hand, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think if I have ace queen, I do just pay. Mm -hmm. it, was the, it was the in the back of my head, he could still just have ace queen mm -hmm. that made me arrive at a fold. And I guess the point that I'm getting at is in your environments, wonky shit happens. And if you fall victim to always taking the conservative route because somebody does something weird and clicky and you quote unquote can't find his bluffs. Yeah. Right? You're you're just you're dusting, mm -hmm. man. Well, like there was a situation where like uh it was like two limps or three limps, maybe like three limps or something like that. Small blind completes. And I have uh queens in the mm. in the big blind and I I make it like twenty three, I think. Okay. Two three. Yep. Um I get two callers. Yeah. Uh comes Jack five deuce rainbow. Um, the, the it was the uh, first. By the way, it's way too small pre. Okay, but go on. Way too small pre. Yeah, like at least ten, 10 blinds. At least ten, ten minimum. But yeah. you're squeezing, so probably like fifteen blinds. Okay, over the limps. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so the uh, first limper called and the small blind called. Okay. Um, and it, and it comes Jack five, Deuce Rainbow, um, checks to me. I bet. Uh. What did I bet? I think I bet 45. 45 into like 100. Into, yeah, into like 90. Or sorry, yeah, into like 90. Something like about a half pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. roughly like that. Okay. Um, uh, first limper folds, uh, the small blind calls. Okay. Uh, turn 10, bringing the jack and the 10 of spades. Okay, check, check. Uh, he checks, I bet. Check. Yeah. So I bet, uh, I bet uh, 110 into yeah. 170. Yeah. And he, um, he jams for 300 more. Yeah. So this is a spot where I would fold because right. you make so a like, mistake of betting. Right. So like that's, that's. But if that, I have a 10, right. I just always pay. A 10? Yeah. If I bet a 10 here instead. Or Jack. It was Jack. Jack, Jack it, five deuce turn Jack 10. Jack five deuce turn 10. Oh, I thought you said Jack 10 deuce. Okay. Jack five deuce turn 10. Pay. Pay. So, so it's just like. I would so, just pay. So he, I check. He bets. Or I'm sorry. He checks. I bet. 110 he shoves for 300 more yeah pay but you say pay but like he if he has ace jack there i don't he care just calls. i don't care i don't why care don't, why do you not care <laughs> I, uh, because why, you, he's, you're never he's never bluffing and he's never showing you a worse hand i disagree so, 
I just well, disagree. So uh, what hands does he have? Who knows? Who cares? I know because I play in these games no. all the time and I always see it. It just right? doesn't matter. Right. I called. I did. I paid. Yeah, paid. Right. He had to set a No, he said a deuces. Okay, God but bless. Like, but like, it's not It's not that I'm being results oriented. It's it's literally like... You are just supposed to get stacked there when he flops a set. There's nothing you can do. The SPR is so low and you're an overpair to the board. Guapo, what do you think? You, are, you, you already know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I know. Yes, there's something right. to the strategy of like just aggress until they re-aggress and then give up. But the issue is that you can't do that with the absolute best hands in your range. If you want to do that with like, if you want to do that with like, uh, you know, say you have like ace jack there, king jack, queen jack, whatever. Not even ace jack, but like say queen jack, king jack, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to bucket that into the, I'm just going to keep betting these hands for value because I can get called by worse until they raise and then I'm going to fold. Fine, right? But when you start to do it with like queens, kings, aces, hands that are just like far too good and beating hands that they might misplay. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's kind of like what I felt like, but like every what I'm time this that, happens, what I What I'm saying I just, is then you have right. to take hands like queens, kings, aces, ace, jack that you're not willing to stack off with and check. And check, and check yeah. Right? So you have mm -hmm. to like play, you have to play reverse poker yeah. where your polarized range is now checking mm -hmm. and, your, and your middling range is betting for thin value. And then you can fold to when, when And folding show. to any right. sort of aggression. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's okay. It, right. Oh, it's actually fine because like your strongest hands probably are only going to get two streets anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a weird, tricky way of, of playing. But the point is that you can't actively invest money with the best hands that you'll hold in these spots and then fold because you quote unquote found out where you're at. Yeah. It just, no, I know. It, it, it can't just, function if, that way. It, like, it, like if it feels, it just feels like in those spots, like I'm just always being i'm always gonna get you in the i'm never getting i'm never he's never has ace jack like he's just when i say never obviously you know always and never but like very rarely does he have ace jack very rarely does he have like some turned draw that like like ace five of spades or something like that yeah like, then like i said like, like i just think you call, should just check just back call. yeah just check just back call. yeah right? but i also want to get value from th those hands that are going to call on the river maybe why? Because the board gets worse, or it, it's Jack yeah. five deuce ten. Yeah. It can't get worse. Tournament River's a king. Yeah. So like whatever. <laughs> what king does right. he have? Just King Jack. King Jack. Yeah. You know, and you're not gonna like bet but, pot. Yeah. It's just <laughs> all right. You guys are gonna break land and let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like Guapa, you I know like cause you play in these games. Like yeah. so, like you understand. Like it's not that. You don't understand because you don't play in the games. I know, I know you do, but like you wouldn't get it, Matt. You know you do, but like <laughs> you see time and time again of like just go to the just, jewel for a month and you yeah. understand. Look, I've, right. I've I've said it many times, and it's it's just overfold and overbluff. Like when you're playing one two and two five, like this is just the way I'm oversimplifying things just from playing in these games. Like, mm -hmm. but you know what you know what that implies, right? Like if you were to graph that. It implies that you're only making money through a red line. And that's a very, very, very hard way to make a living. It's, it, it depends on your player pool, correct? No, it doesn't. So? What, do you think, what do you think earns more money? Your bluffs versus an overfold or aces? Aces. They should, yes, but not in your scenario. Because you have to fold them every time that you get shown aggression. 
Well, again, when we when we're using verbiage like every single time, I, well, I, I don't think that's true. I'm not when you're when you're speaking it, to overfolding. You're uh, I'm using aces to represent the top of your range. If you're overfolding, it's because you're folding more hands in the top of your range. Okay. Right. So it's like that's just naturally going to lead to a pretty level blue line. Which uh, you know what I mean to, by this is is red lines are are your bluffs win without showdown. Blue lines are your winning at showdown. If you're sacrificing, if you're actively saying like. I don't have that much interest in earning money at showdown, mm -hmm. then you have to be a madman with your bluffs. I mean, like your red line has to be off the charts. And I just don't think that any player pool where people are putting money in too loosely will allow you to red line like that. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, I, I take, I'm doing what you say. Like I am paying. Yeah. But I'm just, Always paying. Yeah, look, I, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm never receiving the tips back. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. And then maybe it's a short, maybe it's a small sample size. Maybe it's, you know. Well, I'm also not speaking yeah. in absolutes, right? I'm, I'm speaking mostly to a very specific portion of our range. Right. Right. So it's like once we make the decision to invest money with a certain portion of our range, mm -hmm. it's not to fold. Right. When we bet sets and get check raised on 7-3 deuce and we have deuces, we just cannot find a way to put them on threes or sevens no right. that's just not the game right you know we, we just not the game don't, i want to play right whether you want to play it or not like uh, we just cannot participate <laughs> like if they set over set us they will win the max and unfortunately the inverse is that when we set over set them we will not win the max right i saw mm -hmm. a hand played on bally's last night where kitty flopped uh bottom set on ace king three and she check called versus pot size bet versus your viral Turn is a brick. She check calls another pot size bet versus your viral. And then the river is a king. And she checks and they have like three pots. And yo bets like 66% pot with ace 10 for value. Because at this point, she should have no king X that's, that calls twice. That's so thin. I said the same thing. I think it's like super thin, but like whatever, I get it. Point is, she just calls now with threes full because ace king beats her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's shitty because when you have ace king you're supposed to get all the chips off of threes mm -hmm. right when you have kings or aces there you're supposed to get all the chips off of threes and in the inverse when you have threes there and your opposition shows up with a better full house you're supposed to lose all the chips and we will actively do that yeah so it it it, it seems like in these environments that's what happens is is that when they're supposed to stack you they stack you Correct. But when you're supposed to stack them they don't get stacked. That's fine because you should make up for that in the red line. It, it, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to sacrifice the blue line for the red line. That's, mm -hmm. my, that's my largest takeaway here yeah. is mm -hmm. that I don't want to start giving up all of the money that I win at showdown. Right. Like, I don't want to not maximize spots mm -hmm. where I'm at the top of range mm -hmm. in order to ensure that uh, I feel better about the way... I'm winning and losing money because yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, the reason when people don't want to get stacked is they want to feel better about losing. Correct. You just, like there's like that feeling of embarrassment or like I could have done something different. Yep. Where in reality you're just like losing infinite dollars. Bro, we've been talking this. about this since 2008 when I moved out here <laughs> to play Venetian. It, it we play in a pool where everybody's trying to win the maximum and lose the minimum at the same time. Yeah. And that's a contradiction that just absolutely cannot take place. Right. You can't always have it and then always hold at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we have to focus on one or the other. Do you want to be the guy who tries to lose the minimum? Because that's the pool. Yeah. When they, the second they say, I want to win the maximum and lose the minimum at the same time, it's they're just only the committing minimum. to losing the minimum. Mm -hmm. 
right? And they convince themselves they're winning the maximum, right? Because they check called bottom set three times. Losing the minimum is not very real. Correct. It's not a real statement. It's like you played your hand, like you made max of you with your hand, not you lost the minimum, right? In this spot. And that's why I said, like, if I've taken anything away from like having worked with you and like having better insight as to how ranges as a whole work. That was a big mistake that I had in the middling portion of my career. And for the times, it might have been okay because people truly were too tight whenever that third bet went in. Mm -hmm. But the point was that I was, I was putting myself in a position where if I was not the aggressor, my sole purpose was just to get the showdown. Right. Don't let me get stacked. Don't let me get stacked. Don't exactly. let me try to find a spicy bluff or things along those lines right. because mm -hmm. that could get me stacked and then I lose money and that makes me feel really bad. And then I feel like an idiot and I lost a $100,000 pot when I could have just checked and folded Exactly. And saved money without like the because I quote unquote <laughs> knew he had it. Like the amount of times that we've had a back and forth where he had a spot where like as an objective observer of the hand, I can just be like, yeah, I would pay here all the time versus yeah, but I just don't need to lose this sort of hand has happened too many times. Yeah. <laughs> and it will happen time and time again. It, but like, it will still continue to happen because there are obviously caveats. There are in-game reads where you just know somebody's range is way too bounded. And by that, I mean like way too uh, way too positioned to only nuts. Can you can right? just have mm -hmm. Ace Jack here? Um, yeah, she <laughs> she definitely could. This is way too thin, I think. Um, but but I think the important takeaway here is that she never has a king, or she, at least should not have a king. Uh, so you do get to bet like your Ace Queen for value here, I guess. Probably some, depending. Like you can't fold all the kings. Does Kitty just king call queen. here? King. Uh, so on flop, you should only be calling like King X of the back door, and then on turn, it's only King Queen. Wow. Uh, but yeah, she just calls. Yeah, it's, dependent. it's crazy. Like they have two pots behind. Yeah, it's just the easiest jam. Because well, also if you're not jamming this, when you do jam, what are your bluffs? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Precisely. And what's your value? Yeah, like her bluff in that spot probably has to be like the weakest ace x that she floats turn. Right, and her only value then could be king seven suited. Poker's hard. Or this king whole three. This whole episode's in the oh. muck. King three, <laughs> right? Two pair. King three, King three suited. suited, yeah. So there's two combos, yeah. Right. So it's like you have these, and then you don't have a like. What's your bluff? You have to turn an ace into a bluff, right? And right. you're not jamming threes, right? So now is ace ten really that bad? Hmm. That's I think why he bet it. I don't she know. Just it's still tough because, but she also has to call worse. That's the other side of it. It's like when you go thin for value, you're like, oh, I'm going to bet this because I don't get check raised often enough. But you're forgetting about the fact, like, oh, I also don't get called often enough. Right? If she's like, a seven and folds like your value bet becomes exactly, inefficient. Exactly, exactly, and that hand should just be her, one of her bluffs, you right. know, or, one of, of or, or just like a pure call because you have two pair blocking the board. Like it's good, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like it's probably too good to bluff. Maybe bluff ace three. Yeah, like, I mean they're probably bottom. both very similar. Yeah, well, yeah, because he's probably range betting flop anyway, so having a three or seven is not that important. Yeah. Um. All right. Good game. Poker's fun. We uh, we glossed over it, but I want to remind everybody that we do have a new Poker Out Loud out. We have a spicy one coming up. Uh, we got a promo for you where Nick Howery plays a massive pot versus Jeremiah Williams in a bomb pot. So it's stand-up. It's seven-deuce bounty. It's bomb pot. Everything is on the table, very similar to what you might find in your live casino. Uh, that was one of the big emphasis I wanted to put on this season of Poker Out Loud, and I, I really want to put it on our training moving forward, much like today's episode, um, where a lot of what we're talking about is very specific to the live environment. So let's, uh, let's take a look at that promo real quick. $50 bet. So I'm going into this raise knowing that Ears are going to pipe up a little bit. If I am going to bluff the hand besides d7, it should absolutely be a hand like 9-6. I'm just going to shoot it up 4x. 
Seven deuces on. I already established, I think there could be some monkey business occurring. It's kind of concerning that seven deuce could just rip. You know, could he also rip hands like 10-9 here? 10-7 even? Because at that point, maybe I could raise and call versus a jam. Like that's super spooky territory. Maybe the play is ripping turn. Oh, I like ripping turn. I think I'm gonna rip turn. <laughs> Three efforts on the turn. Just bet 25. And then jam river and a blank preps. Pot size bet. We're gonna stick with the game plan and rip. You went all in? All in. Now that's street poker, baby. Yeah. That's, that's street. A thousand big blinds effective. Ship it in and go to bed. Everybody sees a flop. <laughs> Let's see what's going on here. Uh, I thought that that hand was really interesting because I think it's really easy to look at it on its face and say this is just an absorbent amount of risk by both parties uh, for nothing hands. But A lot of dead money in a bomb pot. There's a lot of dead money in the bomb pot, first and foremost. And then on top of that, the, the seven deuce bounty is real. Right, like mm -hmm. five big blinds per person is uh, is a lot of additional EV when you can add an extra, you know, twenty five big blinds to the pot. Uh, Nick's desire to defend against that portion of range is really critical, and uh, you can see that it really does skew the way he plays the thought or the way he plays the spot, right? Because now all of a sudden, King Nine kind of like dominates a lot of the hands that Jeremiah would potentially be bluffing. He was also doing some pretty cool stuff pre-flop where he was like opening 5X or something. I remember watching. It was during the stand-up game. Yeah. Uh, he, has a, he has a very unique strategy to he try cooked. to sit. <laughs> he let him cook. Um, but yeah, you know, everything breaks at depth. Everything breaks multi-way. Everything breaks at depth. Everything breaks uh, when you start to add in these carnival games where there's a bunch of EV added to the pot, but it's not really easily calculated because, uh, you know, it sometimes is a reward, like the seven deuce game. Sometimes it's a punishment, like the uh, stand-up game. So I think that the direction that live poker is taking is one that I'm very excited for. I, I think we finally have come full circle to where we've gotten to a point that uh, the machines aren't going anywhere. We have good insight as to what strategy looks like at its principal level. We still stink at. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, well, guys, demonetized. <laughs> we still stink at uh, at understanding strategy at a mechanical Bro's level. I was on the party rock anthem. <laughs> no, I, was, I was just looking at all the machines showing uh, up. He's a menace, man. All there the Svens, the, the attack of the Svens. Yep, there they come. Sven ain't got shit on them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're still terrible at a mechanical level when it comes to strategy oversight. But the the beauty is that where the machines kind of broke the game for a short period of time, we've found ways to reinvent. And I think that the direction that live specifically is taking, adding an ante, adding stand-up game, adding bomb pots, adding double board bomb pots, adding seven deuce bounty, and plenty more to come for sure. We're all innovative. We all spend way too much time at the table. I think this gets the point, gets us to the point where uh, we get to take it to the streets again. And what's mm -hmm. more beautiful than that? Honestly, like... 2024 is it. I'm rebranding Solve for Why as streetpoker.com. Okay. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Street Poker yeah. Inc. Yep. I kind of like freestyling. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah's name online. Mm -hmm. I do like it though. I, I like the idea of Gotta it. let Freestyler cook. I love the idea of playing that way too. Custom bets all around. Let's go. Custom bets are good year. if you know what mm -hmm. the actual bet's supposed to be. Yeah. Yep. Custom bets aren't good if you just do them because you have what you have. Yeah. You know what I call custom bets? 
just playing poker. That's mm. right. Yeah. I call yeah. them custom bets. Taking nines to the face, baby. That's right. I'm like, I still like it, B. I still like it. Thank you. I'm like, oh, that's a custom bet raise. Fuck them. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you, as always, for tuning in. Um, I believe, I'm going to confirm today, but I have a relatively high degree of confidence that tomorrow at 11 a.m. we are going to have a poker panel on the state of online poker. We're going to be joined by, fingers crossed, Pads Poker, John Andreas, who is a former pro, maybe current pro still, uh, that works security for WPT Global. Um, and I still need to reach out to a couple others to confirm that they're going to be involved as well. So I don't want to drop any names, but, uh, high likelihood that we're going to have that panel for you tomorrow at 11 AM Pacific. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll see you guys all then. Peace.